0: This week's Cloudcast is brought to you by Momentum SI. Whether you want to migrate applications to the cloud, transform to enable DevOps, gain insight from big data, or accelerate your agile development, Momentum SI's strategy, consulting, and hands-on expertise can help you get there faster and with greater success. Check them out at MomentumSI.com. And now, onto the show. Cloudcast Media presents... From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to The Cloudcast. We are, once again, uh, recording live here from Atlanta, here at the OpenStack Summit uh, 2014, uh, today we're joined by a good friend of the show and sort of long time co host, at least for all the OpenStack events, Ken Hoy. Welcome back. Welcome. Thank you.
1: I think this is the first time we've co hosted, though. That's right. First time you Aaron, and I have so. done one of
0: these. You've done them yeah. with Aaron a bunch. And, um, and so, you know, you can't do an OpenStack event. We haven't done this in a long time without talking about Rackspace, uh, you know, sort of co founder of the, of the event, uh, huge presence here. So we're excited. Uh, Troy Tallman's here with us, uh, cloud architect and, sort of rebel uh, you know leader of the rebel Alliance I guess as of, as of your as of your keynote the other morning so welcome to the show
2: uh, it's glad to be here thanks for having me
0: <laughs> so uh, for anybody who who didn't get to see uh, your keynote or, or the part of the keynote where did the idea for sort of driving this rebel alliance you know you sort of stood up and said hey we're the community is is sort of growing but it's you know it's, it's a community so it's not a sort of single thing but you have to organize around it to be big like was it just a natural metaphor, or what were you trying to get across with that?
2: Um, you know, a lot of the messages that, that I was talking about, I, I think, have been, you know, building in me during the years that, that we've been working on OpenStack. So I, th- I think the underlying messages and, and, and the underlying pieces were all, already there. It's, it's almost a it's almost a, a, an accident that we ended up with the Rebel Alliance. Um, you know, th- this is sort of the behind-the-scenes the behind the stuff. I'd love to tell you that we had all this planned out. We knew how we were going to do it, but we uh, we got to the point where the Foundation was sort of like we need your title, we need the title for what you're going to talk about. And We had some like title of, you know, the planet scale cloud, and we kept looking at these titles we were iterating through and going, man, these sound boring. Yeah. And then somebody, I don't remember who, that <clears> was sort of in the group we were working through this with, just goes, what about rebels or a rebel alliance? And we all went like, oh, that's a cool title. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. So we threw the title in without even the thought that we would actually use that as a theme. But as we started developing the content and and going through things, it just started to come out of it. And we realized that, you know, it actually wasn't sort of an accident that the title really fit the underlying messages and it just, it all glued together. So, um, you know, and I I do think, for me it was important because there was this underlying idea I wanted to get to about uh, the struggles of being in a kind of co-opetition environment. And, you know, certainly as open source people, we like to brand ourselves as kind of doing it different, being the rebels. Right. But I do think the difference between OpenStack and, and, and just, you know, doing it different is that we're trying to do it different together. Right. And, um, and so it really ended up working really well. And you never know when you walk out in a group like that if you're going to give something and people are just going to laugh it off or really resonate with it. And it's been incredibly gratifying to watch the response. You know, yeah. even Mark Shuttleworth added a little Star Wars theme in to kind of keep things going on the second day. And so, so uh, so yeah, it's been the response is a little bit surprising, but um, real, really gratifying. Cool. So for
0: anybody who, who doesn't know you, and I'm, we're, we're sitting here, we were talking earlier, you were wearing a, a shirt from, from back in the Bexar, you know, B days, yeah, and right. you were around Rackspace before. Give us a little bit of history of how you got involved with, with, with OpenStack and, and how you've been sort of driving it within within Rackspace. So give us kind of the Rackspace perspective on how OpenStack has evolved and, and what your role is and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, I, uh, well, I've been at Rackspace for eight years, almost eight years, coming up to, in a couple months, and uh, I had been more on the operations side and, and some of the support side, but had a background in, in, in software, and uh, when we decided to to get involved, I was really attracted to the whole idea of uh, you know building an open source platform for the cloud, getting back into software development, and um, so I didn't really get on the Rackspace project for OpenStack until about six months after, after the foundation was started, and so I missed the Austin Summit, but as you sort of said, kind of came in the door during the bare time frame, and um, that was really when the company was trying to figure out how to take what we built with SliceHost and and really replace it with something built by OpenStack. Yep. And, um, and so just
1: and just uh, for the audience, SliceHost is basically our early Was our cloud first? Yeah, time, it was our first right? generation cloud. So now OpenStack in any yeah, way. going back in
2: history, when we started seeing the cloud trend coming as the way hosting was going to be in the future, we did an acquisition of a company called SliceHost, uh, built out our first generation cloud. Uh, probably expanded that to about, I want to say, about 10 times the size of what it was when we bought it. But we started running ag- up against pretty significant scaling challenges Right. Um, and knew we needed to do a significant restructuring of that code and eventually decided we wanted to rewrite it and then found the NASA guys and said, hey, why don't we re- rewrite together in the open? Right? That's sort of the genesis of where this all started. Right. So I come in about six months later um, I started building the team inside of Rackspace that was really going to figure out how to go build this cloud, and uh, and you know we uh, you know about eighteen months later we we were successful in sort of taking some of the code based around the Essex time frame and launching the first version, and, and we've been iterating and growing, and you know we we've now got you know tens of thousands of hypervisors and hundreds of thousands of VMs running, and uh, you know it's it's been really amazing to see how quickly that's all come together. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, I started. Built that team, got it up, delivered it. I'm, I'm now back in, in what I would kind of call almost an internal consultant sort of architect role. I don't lead the engineers directly anymore, but, but right heart and center of what we do around OpenStack.
1: Right. I think Jonathan actually calls you the spiritual leader of OpenStack. Yeah. Well, that's another one of those
2: great stories. He comes back in the back. <laughs> um, in fact, we had the same awkward moment just before we started this where somebody goes, what's your title? And I'm like, I, you know, I have this. Uh, so I go through this whole thing of like, well, I, I kind of do architecture, I kind of do OpenStack, I kind of lead people, but I don't manage people, and I never really know how to explain what my job is. And so I had done this with a, a friend of mine, a partner that we work with, and he had sent an introduction to somebody in his company, and he said, Troy's really sort of the spiritual leader of OpenStack at Rackspace. And I was like, that's actually the best description I've heard. So I told Jonathan that story, and then he turned around and used that in the introduction on yeah. stage. So. Um, it's uh, it sounds a little funny, and, but it, it actually is. I, I guess in some ways, what what I do, both at RackSpace and, you know, I'm kind of the RackSpace, I guess, base inside of OpenStack. And so I play both sides of that. So, um, you know, if you
0: go out to the RackSpace website, lots of customer references and stuff. You talk about customers. You obviously see OpenStack all the time because you're on the back side of things. You're on the operations side. You're on the design side. So yeah. Do your customers see OpenStack at all, or they just see sort of faster resources? And I mean, is that I mean that that's the experience they should see, which is just I want to work with Rackspace. You know, I want availability. I want things to go fast. I mean, that's. Have you seen that evolve early on? Did people kind of have to know OpenStack was going on, or is it? just been, you just deliver a service and, and it's transparent?
2: I think, well, I mean, it, it obviously depends. Um, in the public cloud, uh, which is where a lot of where my focus is, we, we also do some things in, in the private cloud, which right. Ken's been more involved with. Uh, our private cloud customers obviously will see sometimes more of the underpinnings because often they run running this in their data center. and we are right. doing a little bit of operation, and, But certainly yeah. the public cloud, um, outside of the fact that people know <laughs> and want us to support the OpenStack APIs versus some variant of that, um, they don't really see any of the underpinnings. They just want it to work. Um yeah. And, you know, I think that's even to some extent have been a lesson for us at Rackspace because when we launched the, next, the the, OpenStack version of the cloud, we started kind of branding the company as the open cloud company and thinking, wow, that was going to be like really be sexy to people. And we got actually a lot of feedback going, I don't actually care that you're open. I care that, right, you know, right. and, 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 and what I, the way I've sort of started explaining this to people, which I think has been a learning lesson for us at Rackspace is, uh, um, open source is an incredibly powerful, powerful software development model and it's a, and it's an important strategic selection for us. Right. But we can't confuse that with a brand that people care about. Right. And so our brand and our specialty is, is building a managed cloud with fanatical support. Right. Um, if OpenStack allows us to deliver a better one that's more compatible and has more features and moves faster, that's awesome. If we could do it completely proprietary, our customers wouldn't care either. So, right. um, so, you know, I think we get confused about that because as, the, as developers, we love the fact that we're OpenStack and open source. Right. Our customers are like, you know, give me a high-value, well-managed cloud solution, and um, and uh, look, OpenStack's really helping us get there. So they're linked together, but, right? Yeah you, know, was, yeah, you, yeah, you nailed. I think where what was well somebody, well,
0: somebody was asking me yesterday. We were talking, and they said, "Well, where do you see this thing going in two years, and what do you think? And I said, I, "I don't know where the foundation's big goals are, but I said, but if I were them, I would want to be the most." Sort of the best invisible cloud plumbing there is, which right. is kind of a weird goal because you go, "Well, we want to be big and visible," but I think you kind of want to be invisible at some point. You're kind of like a like a referee in a sporting match, like the best referees you don't see because they, they kind of stay yeah. out of the way. And uh, but at least from what customers see, from your guys' perspective, you want it wants to go fast and you want it to scale, and so it's a it's a weird kind of dichotomy. But yeah,
2: and I think the only place I would put um, maybe a slight twist on that is. I think people care about this from, from the care standpoint APIs, of, sort of yeah, the, the APIs and the compatibility. Yep. Um, so they care about OpenStack from the standpoint of they want OpenStack to look the same every time they look at something that's OpenStack. Yep. But they really don't care. And it's interesting because, um, so I, I, the other thing I do is I'm on, I'm on the board of directors for the foundation. And so I've, I've been doing that now for almost two years as well. And, um, and so I wear these, both, both these hats and I'll put my, my board hat on for a little bit, which is, um, it's as we've been going through this definition of core of you know, what OpenStack core is. That's been an evolution, I think, for the project because when we started, core was always used. In, like we would say, well, Nova's core, and we'd say Swift is core and Neutron's core. And um, the, the reality that was that actually wasn't very helpful in the outside world um, because you'd say, well, Nova's core and I run Nova, and guess what? I don't run the floating IPs extension or the security groups extension, but HP does and 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 can install the private cloud that's got a couple of other things that nobody had. Right. And so everybody's running Nova and everybody's core OpenStack and it's not compatible to any of the right. application developers writing against it. That's a problem. Right. So we've actually shifted uh with the work that's going on in Dev Core now and say we're going to make capabilities core, not projects. Mm-hmm. Because there are some parts of Nova that probably should be core and there's some extensions that people should be able to add but know that they're not part of the core. Right. And so we've now kind of Catalog the services uh, in, inside of OpenStack and, and bracketed them to be 70 capabilities, and we're ranking and scoring those, and we're going to select some portion of those capabilities and say these capabilities are part of the core cloud. You should be able to get them anywhere using these API calls and getting predictable behavior, and um, and that's actually resonating a lot more with people because they do want to know that your cloud has some predictable behavior instead of things. I, as, a, as an as an as a vendor of the service. Want to know? Because right now it's a little bit of guesswork. It's like, well, I've decided most people aren't going to want to use floating IPs in the cloud. Yeah. Well, HP decided most people probably are going to.
0: So you're trying and to get more to that model, like you have seen that, that's come out of like a lot of IETF standards, which is there's mandatory and there's optional, and you can yeah. And figure I, out I, I use it. the analogy of the
2: Linux kernel a lot, right? <laughs> which is, you know, certain things reach a level of maturity and, and usage in the Linux community, and they go, you know what, this goes in the kernel, and you know that it's going to be in every kernel.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and uh, we kind of need that same thing, and um, and look, we need to innovate because this stuff's moving fast. Right. I, nobody knows what the cloud's going to look like in four or five years, so that's it's an important part of what we're doing.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, can you talk a little bit? So, why is that important? Particularly, um, having you no know, understanding those core capabilities. Is it more for the developers? Is it for the people implementing that the, the cloud platform?
2: I think it's for both, um, and I so I'll just. So I don't confuse people. We, terminology is always a tricky thing. So when I talk about OpenStack, when I talk about developer, I'm usually talking about the people building OpenStack. Right. And when I talk about users of OpenStack, I usually mean application developers right. using the APIs. Um, and so I think it's important for the user and for the provider. I think the user and you know the person writing and consuming OpenStack a- APIs, uh, they need to have this predictable interface that they, they talk to and connect with. Uh, service providers need to know like, I feel like I'm hitting a moving target right now, which is, I've got to guess whether my feature set's going to be the compatible set or not. And I make a guess, and HP makes a guess, and that's honestly a little bit of what happened in the Unix world. Right. I'd much rather see, mimic, you know, mimic what Linux learned from, from Unix and, and move that way. Um, and so I, I core ends up benefiting everybody if we do it right.
0: Now that makes, that makes sense, because at the end of the day, <clears throat> if you're Rackspace, you, you want to attract a ton of customers but or any service provider, but you don't necessarily want to have to care what they're doing. And the last thing you want to happen is, you know, if you're going to drive fanatical support is them to go, i got to call you all the time because your API changed and hence my application somewhere downstream that you have no idea about potentially breaks or gets mangled or something. So, yeah, no, I, I can see where that's. Now, Now, how will you guys communicate that? Because I know there's sort of this Def Core project going on, but, like, overall, how will you communicate that out to people of... You know, what's core? What's mandatory? What's, what, how do you, how do you make sure that this huge community understands all that?
2: Well, it's, it is a huge community and it's composed of a lot of engineers right. who don't, who don't like ambiguity. So we're right. trying to, we're trying to acknowledge that. Um, we're, we're taking a very, very data driven approach. Um, so that, so the thing we did at the Hong Kong summit was sort of agree to the principles behind deciding core. And a couple of those key principles are that, um, this is going to be driven by a series of must-pass tests. So you are actually going to be able to take some code, aim it at an OpenStack instance, and either you pass the test or you don't. Okay. So it's going to be very black and white. There's going to be no, like, oh, you get a rating in a 71, you're in, a 70, you're out. It's right. going to be, like, you're in or you're out. And it's sort um, of
0: self-cert- self-certified, and then it goes into sort of the continuous integration builds? Is that
2: uh, well, no, actually, so what we're starting with is the tests that are in the, com- the continuous integration builds. Okay. So the very starting point is we're actually going to use the existing Tempest project, which is part of the Open, uh, OpenStack QA program, um, and that's where we're getting all this definition of what. So every test that's in Tempest that runs through the gate every time a check-in is made is a candidate to essentially be an identified capability. Okay. Now, for sanity, we took the 700 Tempest tests we have today, and we sort of brack- bracketed them into these 70, cap- the 70 capabilities. Um, but what you'll do is, we'll, so we're building now a tool. Um, we call it the Refstock project, and so, uh, and, you know, because we got to have cool names when we do projects. Sure. So Refstock was the starting point, point. Um, and you'll love this is my favorite one. So they're building a Docker container that has Tempest and all the stuff that needs to run it. So that you, basically, if you can run Docker on a box, you'll be able to run the tool to run the test and give you the report. So, that's Tempest in a container, or like we like to say, Tempest in a teacup. So, the project's called Teacup. Okay. <laughs> so, if you hear about Teacup, that's why it's Tempest in a container. Um, so, you know, hopefully it's very simple to say, look, if you can run containers, you can run the test. You'll download this tool, you'll run the test, and it'll come up and say you didn't. it. Black and white, no. Black and white. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and does then, it do
1: it by project or all the entire is it just No, right now that, it's everything. Oh. So we're okay.
2: we're we're thinking about this as all of OpenStack. And and yeah. this is why it gets complicated. We may want to talk about that, but I'll <laughs> stick to right now it's it's all projects. Now yeah. the reality is the criteria we're using to score things, right? Which are things about, you know, is it widely deployed and used? Um is it does it match to the T C long term direction for the project? Um is it uh Does it play well with others? You know, is it well documented? Does it, does it conform to sort of the kind of standard architectural approaches for OpenStack? And then the last one is, you know, is it foundational? Does it, does it interoperate? Like, it makes no sense to make, uh, you know, basic compute management, uh, core and not have an image service that would allow you to boot an instance. So you'd have to have Glance and, yes, and not all of Glance and all of Nova, but at least the essential essence of those. So we, so we use those criteria to evaluate these things and, You know, what we're finding is that, you know, a lot of the basic compute management has kind of risen to the top and looks like it's going to fall. And the stuff that's on the bubble is the stuff that probably should be on the bubble, which is things like floating IPs. Not so much anymore. I think floating IPs are in use pretty widely, but the question is, do we make the floating IP extension to the NOVA interface core, or do we wait for floating IPs in Neutron, the networking service, before we declare a core? And so if you look at the scoring mechanism, those things are right on the bubble right now. If the TC says voting IPs and NOVA are part of the strategic direction of the project, they're probably going to go in. And if the TC says, nope, that's not strategic. We want them to go away in a year or two. They're probably going to drop out. Gotcha. So anyway, we score them, we rank them, and then and, and they're all of them. So they they do tend to be orienting around object store and compute management and image management right now. Right. Um, you know, heat and neutron tend to fall down, largely because they're not widely deployed yet. Um and so uh, so anyway, that's that's kind of where we're going. So I think, of course, we want core to start small. We almost want core to never contract uh, because we really don't. If we do a core where it's like, hey, this features core for, you know, Icehouse. Oops, Juno, we pulled it out. I mean, that's going to kind of defeat purpose. So right. we're, we're doing this very incrementally. Um, but it's going to be very cut and dry. And uh, as you said, you'll get a scorecard. You can upload that to the RefStack website. Eventually, we'll have a mechanism where those can be posted um, and we'll start a community discussion because you know, I might be the person who gets to submit the official results for the Rackspace Cloud, but guess what? You guys and pretty much anybody else that will be able to run this test against the Rackspace Cloud, you kind of call me up. I'm like, oh, we passed. Right. Well, that's funny. I ran my test. doesn't look, you know, and then we can have a dialogue about, oh, that was a condition or whatever. And So we'll have this community. Community input will be reflected, but also it's going to be very definitive. There's not going to be a lot of gray. Right. Talk,
0: talk a little bit, so, you know, Three four years ago, it was just Nova and Swift. Uh, you know, first couple of summits, lots of customer examples where it was so and so customer, huge Swift deployment, uh, may or may not be running Nova. Now the now OpenStack as a whole is almost multiple dozens of projects. I mean, you've got you know some experimental yeah. and some core, and there's a little bit of debate with people who, where you go, well, what is core anymore? What if I? What if it's Nova plus Cinder, or what if it's? is it Should be all of them. Like, what's the what's the thinking about? You know, what, what should OpenStack be? Should I be able to sort of pick and choose projects as I need to, or you know, how much do I have? To, I mean, obviously, you got to have a few things to be core, so you can authenticate yeah. and, like you said, images go with Nova. But what's the the kind of broader thinking around around that kind of just, this debate? Whether yeah. it should be all part, you know, right, an example would be yeah.
1: like Trove, right, which is a database as a service. Yes. Is that core OpenStack? But it's called an integrated project, so it's, it's, it's not just a surrounding project, it's actually in the...
0: Yeah, so what do I do if yeah. I have an application that doesn't want to use Trove, right. but might want to use a bunch of the other elements, should that be... Yeah, get a well this is where whatever. I think,
2: um, you know, this is where we're going to have to evolve and, and get a little more sophisticated as... as, as and, I, and I think it's, it's... What I love at this conference is not that we have the answer to those questions, but we know those are the questions that right. need answered we're having these discussions. Yeah. These kind of debates are just awesome... But, so I'll give you my perspective on some of this. I mean, I stood up at the San Diego conference and essentially said, I think OpenStack should be IaaS only. I'm really nervous about projects. At that time, it was heat and salometer. Right. And I, you know, made some people upset because that's what you do. But, um, and I was really thinking we should lock this down. I've actually changed my own thinking around this. So... I think we need to lock down the core. We need a set of people. I I think it's great that almost every Neutron session is about making Neutron more stable, about getting it to play better with others, about all these things. And I think that's what Neutron needs to do. But I still think we need to be embracing projects like Designate and Ironic and Solemn that are doing new things because, you know, we do need that trajectory. Um, And so I I think we need both to exist. But I do think we need to get comfortable that there's going to be – we're going to have a little complexity and I think everybody kind of wants to know that either everything on its way to core or nothing's, on, you know, or it's not on its way to core. And I think the answer is always going to be a little gray. Core should be well defined. Yep. And the problem I think in OpenStack right now is, um, first of all, we confuse this language between what developers need to understand and what customers need to understand. So that whole conversation about people not, kind of not wanting a core, or not wishing, you know, we were locking this down, almost always comes from the development people on the OpenStack project. I have yet to find a customer who's told me they don't want us to have a really well-defined core, because yep. they don't like the moving pieces. Developers always like the flexibility. Um, and so we need to find a way, and I think part of that problem is, core re- has almost achieved some kind of mythical status within the project. that It's like, I want to be working on an OpenStack core project, not just an OpenStack project, right. not a project that uses OpenStack. I want it to be a core project. And We need a way to recognize that developers are working on crucial, critical, important projects, but not not in a way that causes the customer to be confused because we're over, you know, we're we're making core bigger than it should be, and we're going to have to find a language because that core term is just so overloaded that it means different things to different people. So, so that's one piece of the sophistication. But I, but I do generally believe we need to get the solid core that is the base set of services. Um, You know, we're having a pretty rich debate right now about object store. And is Object Store part of Core? Well, you know, the initial reaction from the people working on Swift and stuff is like, well, of course it's part of core, because it's important and I work on it, and I gotta work on a core project. Right, right, I mean, right. And I get that. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying it's not but at the same time, if we define it as part of core, we're kind of saying if you run Object Store by itself, you're not OpenStack. Yeah. And I was talking with the developers the other day, and they were like, well, wait a minute, I want somebody to be able to do a Swift deployment, call it OpenStack. Right. And I'm like, exactly. So we want this to be OpenStack, we want that to be OpenStack. And they're like, yeah. And I said, and then OpenStack means nothing because there's the 47 different brands and flavors of OpenStack. And so, look, this is complicated. And yeah, I don't think absolutely. we have all the answers yet. Right. I mean, I, you know my ten, you know, I'm starting to wonder if Core shouldn't just be that essential set of, you know, auth and image and compute and block probably goes in it because, like, those are all really kind of tied together. Object store is really important, and I think we may need an open store object, uh, an open stack object store brand right. of some sort. Um, but I don't know if it goes with this other stuff in the same way. Right. And, and I right. don't know exactly. Yeah, no, what that it's, means, it's, it's an right? interesting
0: dichotomy because, you know, like you said, and like I was saying, you have customers that you that you show as reference customers that go, "I run an open," you know, "I run petabytes of Swift," and to them, that's critical to their application or critical to their business. It's essential. And, then, and on the flip side, you've got well, you know, am I going to keep having developers that are motivated? And it's like, are you motivated by you wrote code or are you motivated by you're helping something that, that, you know, helps a customer or drives revenue or whatever? I I can I kind of understand that stuff. Well, and I think
2: this is the tricky thing is we, you know, there's a part of OpenStack that is about attracting and incenting and engaging developers. Right. There's a part of OpenStack that's about delivering things that people can use. Right. And I think we kind of, well, and, And that's okay that they're at odds with each other. The problem is we want to use the same language to talk to both groups, and that becomes complicated. You know, we had this discussion, actually, with the – we had a great meeting with the the board and the TC got together on Sunday and and met for a couple hours. And one of the things we were talking about was, you know, this this definition of integrated um, integrated, – incubated, integrated, related, like – that was really developed by the technical committee as a yep. project management tool for them to think about how they're managing projects. Right, right. Um, the problem is the, the the sort of user community has looked at that and said, oh, that's an indication of stability and usability and maturity and readiness.
0: Right, because they use words like beta and GA and, and things Exactly, so like, yeah. and so they're
2: equating it with that, but the guys running the project aren't. Okay. And so you end up in this situation where, you know, from a stability standpoint and a, and a, and a deployed You know, if you look at the criteria of core, right, where we talk about it's widely deployed in public and private clouds, Trove has been there in that situation. Like, we run it in production. HP runs it in production. People have it. You know, there are companies that are running this in production. Um, Yet, it just got integrated. Yep. Whereas Solometer, which, you know, people are really trying to figure out the right way to use it, where it's going to go. You know, most people would tell you, yeah, it's not quite there, particularly at scale. It's moving there. We're encouraged by it, but it's not where we want it to be. So in a way, Solometer is less mature even though it's been integrated longer yeah. just because it went through the gates of a project. And right. so we were actually having this discussion. It's like we need to think of a different way to communicate to customers what maturity levels are because without us doing it explicitly, they're implicitly trying to derive it. I mean, I, I know companies I'll talk to, them, well, we won't run that project until it's integrated. Right, right. Well, we, like, we
0: you know, when you know, I, I wear my other hat and I'm on the vendor side, we have plenty of customers who you're excited because you rolled out some new piece of code or some new thing and they'll go, yeah, but it's in whatever you guys call your early stage. We always wait until it goes into GA and you're like, that'll be a year from now. And you're and you like, oh, I'm excited that it's out the door and it's ready. And it's like, they're like, no, 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 you know, stability is more important to me. And yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, no, it's that weird I, set of emotions of like, oh, you should use it now. It's, it's good. Trust me. We've done yeah. the testing on it. And no, it's, yeah, that's, it's not a unique requirement, but I can see where you guys having an involvement, not just with customers, because that's what vendors sort of see, but you've got the developer side of it, and trying to match those can be super complicated.
2: Well, and I think the good news is there are a few of us that, that do that and, and see both sides of this. Yeah. And, and and we're starting to have just a level of sophistication around the dialogue. I mean, you know, a year ago, everybody was kind of going, is he core or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we're sitting there going, well, you know, or is orchestration capabilities core or not? I don't know. Let's go think about that, right? But if we're getting down to a different level Um and uh, you know we're, we're having the discussion. Uh, we had a discussion in the in the board meeting about um, you know if you think about object store. Let's assume let's assume the object store APIs are core. Yeah. And right now most of them would score where they would be. Well, there's another element of that core which we, we put in there, which is designated code. So the, there's a combination of you have to pass the API test, but you have to run at least some portions of what OpenStack is producing. Right. Um, and that was really important to a lot of people because we want anybody using the brand to be involved in the projects. We just don't want somebody going, oh, there's a spec. I implemented it. I get to call it OpenStack. I've never been to a summit, never talked to a developer. So that's a good goal. This becomes tricky when you get to things like Keystone and Swift, for instance, um, where there are a lot of really important, really useful production deployments that don't use the source code that OpenStack produces. For instance, we at Rackspace don't currently run Keystone. We've made a commitment to run that. Uh, by the end of the year. We just have implemented the Keystone API on top of our existing auth system. Yeah. Um, and so does that mean if the auth APIs are core and we're not running the Keystone code that we're no longer OpenStack? Right. Or, uh, and, and and actually the Keystone PTL has said there's no designated code for Keystone. Like this, this is an issue that hasn't worked itself out. So I'm fine right now if it's APIs. We may in the future, and I think people hope as more people get on Keystone and it scales well and that types of thing, that'll probably start to include the code. But for now, they're okay not doing it. Right. You know, on the object store side, we've got a bit of a dilemma uh, because you've got Swift and the Swift APIs, but then you've got Seth with the Swift APIs. Yep. And so there's a big debate that the Swift team really wants some designated code from Swift but if we make that decision, yeah, a best large best. number of distribution and deployments on OpenStack technically wouldn't be able to use the brand anymore because they're using Ceph. Yeah. And that's really that's really not the intent of what we're trying to do. And so I think we're going to find a different way. To, but it exposes, you know, that's now the level of conversation around yeah. core and I think it's really healthy that we're feeling the layers are getting down. So not
1: like one of the first things you gotta do is you gotta separate core from integrated so that the two aren't people's mind core and integrated are the same
2: things. Well, because fact, at, at the end of the day that you know they want to use core as the final stage for this development process right. thing, right? So, so again, you go back to developers feel like they're not done right. until they get into core. Right. And part of what I'm trying to do is get people to realize some really important open projects probably never should be right. in core uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, although, to be safe, I, you know, for those of you who saw, you know, anybody who saw my presentation on Monday. I was not implying that all the projects in my you know, gray ecosystem bubble should never be core. Yeah. A couple of people, you know, the ironic guys, you know, immediately thought I was trying to say well, ironic should never be core. And I'm <laughs> I'm just, it's like everybody else. It's a spreadsheet. It's data driven. You get enough users. You get enough deployments. Ironic gets to be core just like everybody else. But it might be two, let's say it's two years before some project gets into core. We can't confuse that with the fact that, that project's not essential. Yeah. Um, you know, ironic is a good example. We we are doing some really cool things around that project and really diving into it. We think it's hugely important. Right. Um, but and I'm not going to make the metal, case it should bear bear be metal cool. provision Yeah, project. the bare metal. That's a, uh, yeah, that's another one of those great names. of like a bare metal cloud. Ironic, really great name.
0: So let, let's shift gears real quick, and, and we'll sort of make this one of the last questions because we're getting uh, you know a bit longer. So. A lot of folks uh, beginning to use OpenStack, you guys have been using it for a long time, both mm-hmm. as a you know, development group, but as an you know, operator and user. What What are the top two, three sort of lessons you guys have learned as you've gone from, you know, the early slice host days and just Nova and Swift to, you know, if we were talking about earlier, like scaling this to you know, tens of thousands of ports and VMs. and I mean, without getting into tons of, like, if I'm looking at this and I'm going, cool, I'm thinking about running this. What are the lessons that you guys have learned that you can kind of pass along to people, especially growing it at scale and so forth? What are the what are the real hard areas to get smart about?
2: Well, I think you know we've we we've certainly you know been big proponents of kind of a, a more continuous delivery model. Um, we uh, you know, started off really trying to deploy about every two weeks. We're probably deploying more like every thirty to sixty days, but we're certainly not trying to track to the six month releases. Yeah, um, and it's a hard step to make because Man, it feels like these upgrades are hard, but you know, you look at uh, the IceHouse release. But there's something like uh, you know, I don't even remember the numbers. Over a thousand, or several hundred new features, and like three thousand patches. And it's it's just a lot easier when you're deploying those in subsets of three hundred versus trying to throw three thousand all at once. And so this deploy more often with smaller pieces has worked well for us. Um, Now. And we that, need to do some work through to make it better. The, and that's you guys taking the interim builds
0: as they're coming along and trying to yes. push them. Okay, yes. Yeah,
2: so we're pulling, we're not waiting, it's like we didn't deploy sort of Havana and then wait for Icehouse to upgrade code. Gotcha. Because um, the other problem is you do run into issues, right? Sure. And, and the, you're going to have to fix them. I'd rather fix them in upstream and redeploy upstream than to build a branch. And then not only have to figure out how to do the upgrade, but then merge changes back and which one aren't. And so so we found that useful. I think. It, I think it's a lot of what's going on in cloud. Um, you know, so that's, that's one thing. The other thing is, I think, patience. Yeah. Um, we all get confused because of what happens in the consumer internet that everything ought to go big and huge and be solved and figured out in a short period of time or your failure. I mean, I I think that's a cultural thing. And I think our impatience with OpenStack and and even in our own case, um, we just, we have this tendency to overestimate what we can do in the short run and and ignore how much gets done in the long run. Right. I think being patient with yourself uh, during this process, this is a fundamental transformation for everybody. Yep. Whether you're an enterprise or service provider, it is a fundamental change in how it works. Um, and look, we've got to work at it every day, but we've got to realize almost every fundamental transition in the industry is taking 10 years. This is not going to be any different. Right. And I'm actually really encouraged by the discussions I'm having here. This is the first summit where I didn't feel like I had to become in and be defensive that we weren't moving fast enough. Um, because I think people are starting to realize now that, you know, just, just because I can go spin up a server on Amazon tomorrow doesn't mean that all of my infrastructure is going to be cloud enabled tomorrow, regardless of who I, who I use it for. Right. And I right. think, I think that's probably the other thing. It's just, uh, it's a lot of hard work. Um, it's a marathon. Don't expect to finish it, you know, in a short period of time. Pitch yourself and be okay
0: with that. Yeah. No, that makes sense because you're, I mean, you're, you're running in parallel. People learning stuff, and the code being built, and and uh, no, it makes a ton of sense.
2: Well, you have to. I mean, I guess the underlying message to all this is you can't ignore the people side of this. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, honestly, the some of the code stuff we do with OpenStack is the easiest part of this. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I have this conversation with people all the time about DevOps. Um, and there's been some good ri- writings lately on, on the internet. If You know, follow my Twitter stream. I'll point you to a few, but. Um, you know, I think this essence of DevOps is really getting a common understanding between the ops and the dev guys, right? Because for so long we've had devs throw code over the wall, the ops guys think they have no choice but to just suck it up, take it, patch and band it around it, never tell the dev guys that anything was broken. And, you know, you look, you get things like Ansible and Saltstack and Puppet and Chef because those guys started talking, and that's really what DevOps is about. And so I, I think getting the realization that, you know, Things like patience and learning and transformational pieces are you know we can't solve this with with technology alone. We got to do the people side, and that's yeah. probably been the most under, important and least understood part of the transformation of space. Yeah, good. Well, listen, uh, appreciate the time this morning. It's been a great
0: conversation. I think it went uh, broader than we expected, but it's been yeah. nice. very very good. Um, so thank you so much. If folks want to track you down, find out where you're, you know, what you're working on, what's the best place to Find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, I'm usually
2: hanging out at, at Troy Toman on Twitter, okay. uh, yeah, blog.tominator.com, uh, when I, when I occasionally get the right stuff out there, but I tend to write in less than 140 characters most of the time now, so you find me there. Very cool. Right. And you just had a blog, um, out on the
1: rackspace.com. Yes, I, yeah, that's right? true. I, the, rackspace, the
2: rackspace, the yeah, the rackspace.com blog. Actually, I actually had a blog on the marketplace, a blog on the keynote. And uh, we're talking about doing some follow-ups on this on this whole area, of the ecosystem that we actually okay. talked about here. So cool. I think if people track that, though, as our thinking evolves, hopefully I'll get more and more of that out there for people to talk about. Good, we'll get that in,
0: get that in the show notes. So, uh, so for everybody, um, you know, as always, if you like the show, uh, follow us on Twitter at the Cloudcast Net. Uh, for Ken, thanks for helping us again today. I think you're going to do some more later yes. this afternoon. Uh, for Troy, and for everybody listening, uh, thanks for thanks for listening. Have a great week.